Thank you, Kelly Robinson, and good morning to you. Good day, and I hope you're having a great day. Let's talk gardening. Let's talk about the plants at your place as we head toward the fall, and uh, let's uh, see how I can help you. I would love to have that opportunity, and uh, maybe we're talking about uh, fall landscaping. Maybe we're talking about uh, fall lawn keeping. Whatever it is, uh, that's our goal. If it's aftermath of the uh, springtime, that's okay. You know the uh, the 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 cold. Perhaps you it was in all the news, <laughs> the record-setting cold of February. But whatever it is, let me have a chance to help you, and I'll be glad to. I don't I don't work in pasture crops and and uh, agricultural things. I, I strictly is strictly a, a visit on urban horticulture, but uh, this would this would be our opportunity. Remember that through Labor Day, you can put down a pre-emergent application of pre-emergent weed killer granules to prevent the germination of annual bluegrass, rescue grass, and ryegrass, the winter grassy weeds, the cool season weeds that plague lawns across Texas, make them so unsightly in February, March, April. If you uh, have listened to my programming for very long, you've heard people call and say, Neil, how can I get rid of these ugly weeds that are out there? This is, a, oh, for example, a March call. How can I get rid of these things? They're just so ugly. And I say, well, I can't help you now. Those are, those are cool season grasses. Usually it's either rescue grass or annual bluegrass. And I say, just remember that the last week of August or the first week of September before Labor Day, you can apply either Halts or Dimension or Baylan, one of those three types of, uh, of granules. You apply them to your lawn. They're safe around trees and shrubs. The only exception would be you do not want to apply them to new turf grass. It needs to have been through its first winter time. These things inhibit root growth, and you don't want to put them out on a new lawn where you're trying to get root growth. And so... That's the thing, and they're going to be labeled as crabgrass killer don't, uh, or crabgrass preventer. Don't let that throw you off course. Uh, that's the way they're marketed primarily. It's a springtime product for a lot of the United States. But here in Texas, we use them in that two-week period. You get that one chance, and so you put them out to prevent the germination of the annual grassy weeds. Got to do it. I haven't given the phone number yet, have I? 888 888- Two five six ten eighty for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour eight 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 two five six ten eighty. How does one expect to get phone calls if you don't give your phone number? That doesn't make a lot of sense. Jared Taylor is running the boards and answering the phones, and we'd love to hear from you. It's eight eight eight. Two five six ten eighty. So whether you want to talk about lawns or what happened to your vegetable garden or how you can make for a better vegetable garden next year, fall flowers, things you can plant now for color this fall, I'll be glad to help you. What care you should give trees that were damaged in the cold, shrubs that were damaged in the cold, whatever it is. We have about 33 stations that carry my program, and I know that some of them do step aside to rebroadcast high school football on Saturday mornings. I get that. And so for a few weeks, it's easier for you to call through if you're hearing me. And we make it easiest for you to call through by making it a toll-free number, 888-256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour.
Let me tell you about my book, Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening. I really am happy with my book, and, and people seem to be satisfied with it. I think you will be, too. Here is what I have done in the book. I have tried to cover every aspect of outdoor gardening. It covers lawns, landscapes, annuals, perennials, fruit and vegetables, all types of gardening for all types, all parts of Texas. Every county is addressed, not individually, county by county by name, but it covers all the different regions of Texas. So you can trust this. If you're going to give it as a gift, it will apply to each area of the state of Texas and southern Oklahoma, for that matter. So not a problem there. It could be your go-to gardening reference. Chapter 2 is especially useful because it's a 48-page calendar, four pages per month that will tell you everything that needs to be planted, pruned, fertilized, and protected in that month in your landscape and garden. I've never put that in any book I've written before. I used to put a small version of it in my annual Texas gardening calendars, but never in a book. And there it is for you to refer to time after time after time. People tell me that chapter alone pays for this book. Book's only thirty six ninety five, plus tax and postage. That's a bargain. It's 344 pages. It's a real book. It's a hardback. 840 photographs printed in San Antonio to keep Texas printers employed. It's not in stores and it's not on Amazon. And you say, what? How's that work? Well, I sell it from my office off my website, neilsperry.com, and I sign every copy as it sells. Your satisfaction is completely guaranteed or I'll refund every penny of your purchase. We've sold 67,000 copies to date and I've not been asked to refund one penny yet. So I think you'll like it. I hope you will. I'd like to give it a chance in your hands. You can call uh, Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, 800-752-GROW. Call during business hours, Monday through Friday, 800-752-4769. But the better way by far is to order it right now at neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. The 1930s are difficult times for America. The country was in the Great Depression. Jobs were scarce, but hopes remained high. It was during that time that Mueller started making metal products. Well, now it's 90 years later, and the Mueller name has become known across the South as having the finest in quality steel and workmanship. Mueller and its products understand what it means to weather the storm. A Mueller metal roof has been made to last and to protect you and your most valued possessions from the harsh weather we're accustomed to in our area. Mueller metal roofs can endure the intense sun, the heavy rain, hail, and snowstorms for years to come. That's a lot longer than a conventional roof. If you want peace of mind for the future, choose a metal roof for your home. A roof that's been made by Mueller. M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Visit MuellerInc.com to learn more and to find a location near you. You'll see why a Mueller metal roof is the best thing to put over your head. Give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER. That's 877-268-3553. Or stop by one of their 33 locations. They're Mueller. They're made in America, and they're made to last. MuellerInc.com. I'll have more after this message. Thank you, Kelly. All lines are filled, so make a note of the number. 
And then as you hear me finishing with a a caller, that's your time to call through. Again, 888-256-1080. Love to hear from you, and thank you to all who have called early. Let's start with Patsy in Abilene. Patsy, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning. I have two uh, very tall pine trees. They're about 40 or 50 feet. They're side by side. One has no green on it, and the one next to it looks wonderful. But I noticed the one that has no green, all the leaves, all the little needles are dead and falling. There is some sap coming out of the bark. Okay. When did this uh, begin to, to happen? This this summer. Okay. I didn't know if this is a result of the <clears throat> wonderful weather we had in February. Yeah, I, I think it probably is. I've seen a lot of, of pines go downhill after the cold. Some of them started to... Uh, uh, go downhill right after the cold. In fact, there was a lot of needle burn in East Texas on the loblolly pines almost immediately. The uh, foresters were getting calls within a week or two, and they just said, wait it out, that they'll probably send out a flush of new growth. And some have, and and a lot of pines uh, across Texas have been hurt pretty badly. Do you know what kind of pines you have or had or whatever? No, I haven't. They were here when we got here. I, sure. I really don't know. They're just tall and Lots of pine cones and lots of squirrels eat the pine cones. Yeah. Um, But I've noticed a couple of holes, though, in the tree next to it, and I was wondering if it was pine bark beetles. How large are the holes? They're um, half the size of a dime. That's fairly good-sized. I don't know. I I can't tell you. I've, there's a lot of information online from the Texas A&M Forest Service. I would I would do some research online about about the uh, pine bark beetle, and about other things that are going on with pines. But I am reasonably sure that what you're seeing is freeze damage. The fact that there is resin or sap coming out and congealing is not a good sign because that, with all of our trees that are are struggling right now, that's an indication that there's been pretty severe vascular damage. Um, if there has there been any new growth on the one tree? No, I I looked it over to try to find something. There was nothing. Yeah, I I would guess now that we're through the entire well ninety nine percent of its growing season, if it were going to try to rebound, it would be doing something by now. You have certified arborists in Abilene. It's a, a nice sized city, and you would have certified arborists there if you cared to hire somebody to come take a look. That would be the licensure I would look for, but I'm not sure you could justify the cost for that tree. Now, tell me about the, the better of the two trees. What does it look like? Oh, it looks great. It has new growth. It's put out okay. all kinds of needles. Uh, you can tell where pine cones are forming. Then it's, it it's, real- it's going to be it's fine. Good. And and so yeah. that's good news. They appeared to be the same kind of pine. Yes, they're side yeah. by side. That's yeah. that's what happened with a lot of trees this year, and and most notably oaks, uh, red oaks and shumard uh, red oaks and live oaks. You'd have a, a row of them, and and one or two would be uh, damaged very severely, and and uh, most of them would look great, and then there would be something in between. Um, well, our, our live oaks look great. Now, well, look but I'm talking about I'm talking about across yeah. the state in general. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just okay. looked at some Schumard red oaks this morning, and they look just awful. And and most don't. They look great, but but I I think the best thing is you're probably going to have to take the one tree down before it falls, and the other mm-hmm. one probably is going to do just fine. 
All right. Thank you very much. You are welcome, Patsy. Good luck with it. Thanks for the call. Let me go to Jerry in College Station. Jerry, this is Neil. Good morning. Morning. Yes, sir. I I just got my uh, second newsletter yesterday. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. uh, And the first newsletter I got last week was had a topic that I was interested in, but but somehow in cyberspace that thing got lost. And uh, I was I was interested in the nutgrass um, treatment protocol uh, in gardens. All right. Well, there. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I've got a terrible nutgrass problem in my in my garden. It's a sandy soil, and I don't know where they came from, but I got them and. I mean, I can't run a rake through there without having those little uh, eraser-sized nuts with the long tendril come up. And yeah, yeah, I grew up in College Station. I know it's the, uh, I know it's the uh, the most common one of the most common weeds in College Station. Um, there are two products that you can use. One is called Image, and that's the original Image product. The Image has been broadened in its branding so that they have other. The manufacturer chose to put other. Uh, ingredients in uh, and and make other products and call them all image image for this image for that what you want is the original image for nuts edge control and I, I I use the term nuts edge because it's not a true grass I'm not trying to be yeah. elitist no, I, I just, I okay all right um, well to bring everybody else up to speed true grasses have round stems and and the sedges have triangular stems, and if you roll them between your index finger and your thumb, you can feel the difference, and this is a sedge. Um, I, I have had really good luck with image. Uh, I have not used sedge hammer, but it is uh, a little bit more of a, uh, of a commercial product. The uh, commercial applicators tend to use it a great deal, and it works well. Uh, the labels that I have looked at, and the labels are very thorough online. You can see the complete product label. Um, uh, generally, image uh, has to be used twice, 30 days apart, and both of those are supposed to be between May 15 and September 15 in Texas, which means oh. that the first application has to be by August 15, and that yeah. was why I put that article in eGardens uh, when I did. Uh, Sedgehammer uh, needs one application, and they they allow that even now, and so you could still treat with Sedgehammer. Of course, you can't do it in an existing garden. It would be after the garden has been emptied, and it would be fine and ready to go by springtime. Now, whether you'll get complete control with one application or not is a different story. I don't think you will, but I yeah. think you'll I think you'll make significant uh, inroads into the population. But you know the, so I, the know, I know you can't I know you can't say this, but. Mm-hmm. Could I use it like in the middle, like between the rows where I'm planting, just to cut down on the population? You think? <laughs> um, I I don't think I would, since you said you have a sandy soil. There's too much chance that it would migrate around in the garden. Oh, I just don't okay. think you okay. want that, and the roots of your of your vegetables will go out. I I don't know, honestly. I don't know if the manufacturer did any testing in edible crops because in all candor I I grew up in college station with my dad doing research for companies that were getting labels for products he was a herbicide specialist for Texas A&M and and uh, one of the main herbicide specialists and it and I, and after he retired and subsequently died in in 1975 
the labeling for edible crop areas just became harder and harder and harder, and it should have, because we need to know if this is safe in in sure. food areas, and the companies don't want to spend the tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars to prove a negative, to prove that this is not going to hurt somebody. This is so impossible to prove that. So most of these weed killers are not labeled for use in edible crops. It's easier for them to say, deal with it when there are no crops there, get the weeds out of there, then you plant your crops. And that really is kind of logical. So that's, that's what, what I would suggest. That's difficult to do with, with asparagus. Well, that's true. That's and true. And I've got nutgrass in my asparagus. Well, the solution there, sad as it sounds, is to find another area in your landscape and, and develop a garden over there somewhere, start new asparagus, and at, at some point you abandon this area. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. That's okay. the coward's way out. You retreat and you run. <laughs> okay, and and how am I going to harden these uh, broccoli plants and kohlrabi and all that and tomatoes in this 90-degree weather? Before what do you I mean harden? To, well, you're awfully late on tomatoes. Uh, you harden them just by the the way I've always done when I put uh, uh, transplants out. I I try to find them in a garden center that have or if I'm growing them, try to grow them in in fairly tough conditions so they're hardened already. But if you get a a set of broccoli transplants, for example, that have been in a little bit of shade, then I give them a little bit of shade. I'll I'll put, uh, I used to use wood shingles off roofs, but you don't see many of those anymore, but but something of that sort over them, and I'd I'd put them up at noon and take them down in the evening, and then I'd put them up at one, take them down in the evening, and baby them for a week or so until they they get used to it. Okay. you know, it just takes a week or so of that, and then they get kind of toughened up. It is tough. Well, it is a challenge. The only, the only tomatoes I've seen are look like they're leftover. They're tall and spindly. And yeah, you don't want those, and and that's what they are probably. You don't want those. Hey, I better I run, but but hopefully that'll help. Grow your own and grow them in, in pretty much full sun, maybe shade for a few hours in the afternoon, but but sun most of the day, and start them, start them in late June, and you'll have – you'll have seed yes cedar cuttings oh. you can root cuttings very quickly oh okay 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 yeah. okay yeah gotta run rob or uh, yeah, jerry I, gotta run appreciate your call I, very thank much you. all right robert you're coming up next from college station we have three straight college station questions then buoy so we're going to hop around a little bit neil sprays e-gardens is what he was referring to it's my free electronic newsletter that comes out usually comes out on thursday right after 6 p.m somewhere his got lost in uh, in you know that happens once in a while but but thursday night at 6 p.m i i am a subscriber to my own newsletter so i can monitor that and and uh it has always come to my email right away and and I rarely get a comment like he made, but anyway, I think you'll find it to be very, very useful. Neil Spray's eGardens are always are five stories. One of them is a featured plant of the week. One is always a question of the week. And one of them is always gardening this weekend, where I it comes out on Thursday night. So I will tell you things that you need to be anticipating for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I am still editing as late as about 4.30 on Thursday to change things, to make them completely accurate for that weekend. And uh, I think you'll find it to be very helpful. Again, it is free and always will be. I've been doing eGardens for about 18 years, and the last five years have been weekly. 
So I hope you'll subscribe to it the way you do. And, and by the way, you can also see the latest issue of it if you go to my website, neilsperry.com. That's where you also buy my latest book. But you go to my website, click on the eGardens tab, and scroll down. You'll see where you sign up, and you'll see where you can see the most recent issue. Neil Sperry's eGardens at Neil Sperry, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y. Dot com. More after these messages. All right, Kelly, I accept that challenge. Thank you, and uh, we'd love to help you. The uh, lines remain filled, but when you hear me empty a line, grab that line, 888-256-1080. And we go now to Robert in College Station. Robert, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. Yes, sir. I am a beekeeper, and I want to plant some that my bees will like. Um, also want it to be easy, uh, you know, something native. So what kind of surroundings do you have? Are you rural? Or are you in town? Where are you? Um, I'm in a ser- semi-rural neighborhood. Uh, the, it, if you've ever heard of Foxfire, it's, it's got uh, very large lawns. And, and so uh, our lawn, <clears throat> which is very large, uh, started out with a lot of flowers, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Indian paintbrushes and things. But then my dad mowed them all down, and now they're gone. Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, I was just wondering what you would suggest the, the plant that my bees would like, and um, and when when should I do it? Uh, is spring the best time to do that? Middle of the winter? Now? You know when? Well, it varies with the different kinds of crops that you would be growing. First of all, you need to make a list of the bee-friendly plants because not all plants are pollinated by bees. Many are not. They're, many are pollinated by the wind. Right. And uh, as, a, as a general rule, plants that cause allergies are pollinated by wind. And so just to use a, a classic example that's about to hit everybody, ragweed is uh, pollinated by wind, goldenrod, that a lot of people uh, just uh, despise because they think that it's causing allergies just because it blooms at the same time as ragweed, is beloved by bees, and and it's a beautiful plant, and it gets undeserved uh, blame. So uh, goldenrod would be a, a lovely plant to have. But you also need to remember, and that's why I ask you what kind of environment you're in, um, if you're in a, an urban area, and I know you said suburban-rural, uh, um, the smaller the lot gets and the more people you have around you in a neighborhood, the more difficult it becomes to have a, um, a, a native plant habitat that that blends in with other landscapes if you're trying to trying to be a part of a community um, because it can get kind of rustic you let the wildflowers bloom and go to seed it's that second part of that sentence that that is not always attractive when they're when that, they're that is a difficulty that i have yeah. found but but again i don't have many neighbors so that I can helps. generally get away with it. Yeah. Okay, so what I would do, and here is, I'm going to defer you to some things rather than trying to develop the list here on the air. That would take the rest of the program. I'm going to suggest that you contact the folks at Wild Seed Farms 
in Fredericksburg. You can look them up online, but you need to add the word farms to it, Wild Seed Farms in Fredericksburg. They have the the best selection. I, I do no business with them in terms of advertising. I don't gain anything from them. This is a, a very honest uh, friend-to-friend referral, uh, but they have done a masterful job of perfecting wildflowers and how to grow them and how to sell them uh, as seeds. And uh, they will have on their website the the proper planting times for each of the crops that you're growing. But remember, if it blooms in the spring, you plant it uh, in in late summer, early fall. You're there for blue bonnets and and a lot of the other early spring bloomers or, or spring bloomers. So sometime in September would be the time to plant those because they germinate in September with the rains and they establish their roots over the winter, and then they're ready to bloom when, when it turns warm in the spring. So, so that would be a starting point. Don't, don't attract the bees, do they? Uh, yes, they will. They're, mm-hmm. they're legumes, and, and most of the spring bloomers will. And, and others, the, the uh, beekeepers' associations and uh, the, the people who are trying to help pollinators will know that better than I do. I'm not going to try to set myself up as that expert. But there are some wonderful lists online from uh, Master Gardeners and others of the bee-friendly plants of Central Texas, especially around Austin and in the Hill Country and College Station. I mean, you're at the heartland of the entomology people, and I think you'll find a lot of good lists there of uh, some of them little-known plants that uh, that are just just magnets for bees. You know, I know the plants that I have. It, you know, who would think that hollies would attract bees? But they really do. They don't have showy flowers, but the bees love them. And okay, uh, so, hollies. Yeah, okay. hollies. Yeah. So anyway, you. So LL. Well, the native hollies. You have Yopon holly, and and uh, then there. Are, I have thirty-five kinds of hollies in my landscape. And, uh, and and when they're in bloom, the bees are very active around them. And, and your Mexican plum that you have native in the, in the uh, woodlands in College Station. So, you know, but there are hundreds of plants. And it's a matter of just choosing something that's in bloom pretty much all through the season. Sure. So I'm going to let you do that homework. It, it will take hours to assemble that list but start with that list start and then then go with when do they bloom so that you can have a sequence of blooms you don't want everything to bloom at the same time and i understand having food all year long is is a, a good way to go i understand that and i understand the importance of local uh, native plants for honey for the, uh, you know, it's nice to say that it's uh, local honey because of the allergy benefits that people get. So I get all that. So I think that's a, I think that's your best starting point. I've given you, I think, several good uh, places to go. Oh, okay, great. Thank you. Neil. You're welcome. Good luck with it. That sounds like fun. Thank you. All right. Edie in College Station will be coming up next. Another Sedgehammer uh, question, and we'll try to help. Uh, Sedgehammer, by the way, does not have an L in it. Just uh, just an FYI, maybe to Jared, maybe to everybody. I don't know. It's a play on words, a very good uh, marketing name for a, a product. Uh, let me tell you about Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening, my book, and uh, see if you might want to consider getting this book. I, I'm just going to do the short version of this ad because I think I've told you plenty of the book. It's a it's a big, heavy book. Uh, it's not huge in size. It's just uh, 344 pages and 840 photos, and it covers all the different aspects, 11 chapters. I'll, I'll tell you what the chapters are. Chapter 1 is all the basics of gardening in Texas. Chapter 2 is that calendar, 48 pages, 4 pages per month of when to do all the planting, pruning, fertilizing, 
planting and spraying. Everything you need to know that's related to timing is in that calendar, in that, in that chapter. And then complete and detailed chapters on trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, and fruit and vegetables. Now the book is only $36.95 plus tax and postage, and I will guarantee you that it will pay for itself within a year or I'll refund your money. I will pay you back personally. We've sold the book uh, uh, out. It, it sold right out of my garage. I signed them. I have having an air conditioner put in the garage so I can sit there and sign away. 67,000 copies sold so far and not one request for a refund. There'll be one sometime and I'll tell you when that happens, but, but those are pretty good odds. I'd love to have a copy in your hands, and I think you'd like to get it. I hope so. It's only thirty-six ninety-five plus tax and postage, and uh, I will tell you the post office is going to be raising their uh, rates before Christmas for uh, uh, just uh, during the Christmas delivery time, and it'll cost a little more at that time. So I'd get it now if I were you. You can order two different ways: order from my office by calling eight hundred seven five two Grow. During the week, weekdays, 9 to 5, 800-752-4769. But the better way is to order it right now at neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. We'll have more after this mess- these messages. Thank you, Kelly. Let's go back to the phones to Edie in College Station. Edie, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. We planted a bed of purple winter creeper in April after seeing photos of it in your book. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it's still getting, you know, getting coverage. It's, it's not It takes there two yet. years. Yeah, it takes two years. Okay. So we're having a time keeping the weeds out, and the nut sedge is one of them. We bought the, the sedge hammer, mm-hmm. and um, it does not say if we can just uh, be a little bit more I don't know, less careful with it in the purple winter creeper. <laughs> what you think? Um, now, that w- are you saying put more on than it's telling you to, or put it on because it's not on the label? Um, well, we we have applied it like with a paintbrush, um, very oh. very carefully. Oh, you poor soul! <laughs> That's thankless, isn't it? Oh my gosh! Yes. Yeah. Um. When I have a situation like that where a, an odd plant that I want to grow or am growing is not on a label and I'm in a desperate situation where I need to get rid of a, a terrible problem, um, I will. I, I have it going on right now. I'll be very candid. I have some poison ivy that has come up in purple winter creeper in a very large bed. And it's there's enough of it that I don't want to go in and have to extricate it with lopping shears and gloves and a hazmat suit. And so I tried uh, a straight glyphosate product. It's always said that it... it uh, uh, I, I'm going to get you confused with this commentary, and I apologize. But it's always said that it could be used to kill poison ivy, and I know from my own experience that it can be used to kill bermuda grass in an asian jasmine bed without harming the jasmine i thought okay i'm going to try it in my purple winter creeper and see if it'll kill poison ivy number one i've never used it on poison ivy number two i've never used it in purple winter creeper so here is what i did i I tried an area about uh, three feet by three feet 
I thought, okay, worst case, I'm going to have a three foot by three foot area to replace, and it didn't it didn't damage it in my case. I can't recommend that, and I'm not going to. But you know, if if I go ahead and treat more, and I don't have any more problem. I might comment that that's what I did in desperation. In your case, uh, with your uh, nut sedge, I would I would try treating according to the label directions for nut sedge, and I would treat a small area according to label directions, not painting it on, but but doing it the way it says to apply it, and um, uh, and and just let it be a spot in the backpack or someplace where if you end up having to replace it. You just accept the loss and say, well, I needed to do something, and I'm sorry that didn't work. Image, I think image can be used that way. Uh, you might Did look I understand on the, you to say that that was a pre-emergent um, use? or No, no. No, no. Okay. There's no pre-emergent for nutsedge. Okay. It's perennial, and, and uh, the pre-emergents won't touch it. Um, I think the original image product that, it, that was developed for nutsedge control I, I think it's fine in, um, in, in Purple Winter Creeper. Look into that one. All right. Yeah, I think that may be your better way than, than to take a chance. But, but I, as I said, I have not used Sedgehammer. I've used Image, and I've been very happy with the Image results. But Sedgehammer is what the commercial people use a lot, and they swear by it. So I think you have two good choices. Awesome. Thank you so much. You are welcome. Good luck with it. All right, let me see where I am time-wise. I think I better get my last break in. Then we have Don and Bowie and Greg and Amarillo. We're going north, and then we're going way north. So that's good. I enjoy this program very, very much. Thank you all for listening, and thank you for calling. Please uh, visit my website, neilsperry.com. That's where you can buy my latest book, Lone Star Gardening. You've heard that today. It's also where you can see my 1001 Frequently Asked Questions. That's a lot of questions. And uh, that was a book. The publisher went out of business, so I just put it on my website. Figured that's the best thing I could do with it. I worked hard on that book, and so there they are. It's also where you sign up for eGardens, my free electronic newsletter, and a lot of other information. All of that at neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. That's my website, bookmark it. I'll see you on it. Let me tell you also about Mueller. Mueller Steel Buildings for Permanent Storage. Why would you want to pay every month for a temporary storage facility when you could own a Mueller building? Mueller's backyard buildings are easy to assemble. They're affordable, and they offer a permanent storage solution right there in your own backyard. With a variety of sizes available and 30 colors from which to choose, their backyard building kits complement any home or landscape. And if your equipment requires even more storage space, Mueller Standard Series buildings are ready to go to work for you. They're fabulous. From workshops to big barns, these pre-engineered bolt-together buildings come in a variety of size and color options. You can also visit them at MuellerInc.com online. Get a free customized building estimate. While you're there, click on their color selector tool to make choosing the perfect combination of colors an easy decision. To find out more about Mueller Steel Buildings and Metal Roofing, call 877-2-MUELLER. That's M-U-E-L-L-E-R. 877-268-3553. Or visit them at MuellerInc.com. Mueller means more. Mueller Steel Buildings. I'll have more after this message. 
All right. Thank you, Kelly. Let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Don in Bowie. Don, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm wonderful. Appreciate your call very much. Neil, I've got a couple of red oak in my yard, and the leaves have got little small, actually specks, sort of, all over the leaves. Uh, Their outside is either brown or black with a white center. All right. And so is this the first year you've ever seen this? Yes. All right. What I noticed, uh, uh, I first noticed a limb, oh, about 10 inches, 8 or 10 inches from the end, the leaves started changing an autumn color about, oh, two or three weeks ago. And and my wife, she thinks that uh, the Leaves are changing. Well, they're not. It's too early for fall. But it's just on that limb, about uh, 8 or 10 inches from the end, they're, they're still lively feeling. They All right. Let me, in the interest of time, Don, because I have Greg behind you in line, and let me, let me ask some questions quickly and just give me kind of quick answers. How old is this tree? Uh, I've been here three and a half years and they were here when I came and uh, about a year old so they're four or five years old. All right. Um, what color is your soil? Uh, brownish. Okay. Uh, do you see any thinning of the these these questions I know don't sound like they're related to anything, and and but they are. Do you see any thinning of the canopy of the tree? Any loss of leaves up in the tree? Is it is it sparse in any way? Oh, one or two maybe, but no. Okay. Do you see any bark splitting or any damage to the trunk since the cold? No. no. All right. I'm I'm wondering several things. I'm wondering if uh, if this might be related to the cold. Um, we have had a lot of Schumard red oak damage from the cold in February, so that's a possibility. Um, Both I, trees have it. They're not very well. They're close together, within 80 feet of each other. But I, you uh, may have heard me say earlier this hour that in a row of trees, you'll have one or two that are are dying or dead. And you'll have yeah. eight that are great, and, and you'll have one that's uh, uh, somewhere in between. Um, so if one limb has started this odd pattern, then I would trace that down to the trunk and see if there's any evidence of any kind of problem on that side of the tree on the trunk. I don't know that I'm sending you the right direction, but with nothing to go on other than descriptions, it's awfully hard to solve an oak problem on a phone call. Uh, the spots on the leaves probably are not the problem. They're probably just indicative of a problem that's farther down on the trunk. So uh, that's I don't that see nothing. The, beg, beg your uh, I don't see nothing, but but there could be. I'll I'll look a little harder. Let me ask you about this. And on my uh, Bradford pear, okay, the, the leaves on it are a lot bigger spots. Uh, elongated instead of a little round speck. Okay. Well, okay. Spots on leaves, I, I really have to see 
the the nature and and Greg and Amarillo had black spots on plants. Folks, I've got to see those. What I'm going to recommend is get those into a, a Texas certified nursery professional. Until uh, June of this year, I I was saying please post a photo on my Facebook page, but Facebook changed the page so you can't post photos now, and so. I had nothing to do with that, so I I can't do much to help without being able to see it. They've got they've got hair growing on the back of the spots, behind, yeah. on the bottom of the leaves. They got yeah. Well, like you hair. you may yeah. Just hang on, Don. I'm I'm just saying I can't tell without seeing the spots. Um, hairs have a. I'm I'm against the end of the program now, and Greg, I'm sorry I didn't get to you. Um, the, the spots could be any of a hundred things. In Bradford pears, it usually is because of the very narrow branch angles, and it's nutrient-related because the, the branches are getting pinched by the, the problems that they have inherent. You may have heard me talk about those hundreds of times. Folks, thanks for listening. Happy gardening. <laughs>